What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre coming to you from Gainesville, Florida, where the Gators just signed their 2023 class on National Signing Day, Late Signing Day, February Signing Day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Gators put the finishing touches on this cycle, although they could still add some pieces in the spring from the portal, which we will get into on today's show. We got basketball to get into. We've got an interview with Austin Barber. And uh, obviously, Nick's been out there at uh, Conjuring Ballpark watching this baseball team as they get ready for their season. So uh, busy time in Gainesville, Nick. Yeah, uh, I mean, big win last night on on the hardwood. Um, this signing day used to be like a national holiday for me. And now yeah. it's just it's just a, another day. Yeah, it's it's basically now transfer signing day. Even though all the transfers are from around the country, not just at Florida, they all get announced as they commit. But like signing day is like the first day where the coach gets a chance to talk about all of them. So it's basically become that day. Uh, And it's become, I I don't want to say leftovers because Caden Jones is certainly not a leftover. Uh, You know, all American commit uh, four star offensive tackle that the Gators added, but it is basically the late signing day. It's not, you know, you, that the period in December is not the early period. It is signing day. So uh, I wonder what percentage. The name. I wonder what percentage of, of recruits committed on early signing day. Probably. Yeah. High. Yeah. And signed. Yeah. I mean, it was across the country and certainly at the power five schools and SEC programs like you. You have to if 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 you want to if you want one of those spots, you better claim it and take it. Uh, otherwise, they're going to move on. They're not going to sit around and wait uh, until February to sign some of their targets unless it is just uh, you know an elite guy. So um, I think the Gators got some elite guys certainly in this class. Uh, Thirty-one total additions when you factor in the twenty players from the high school ranks. The uh, 10 players from the transfer portal and then Gracier enrollee Tony Livingston and you had 35 roster departures and you brought in 31 guys so 35 out 31 in many of those 35 did not play right so if you look at it from that standpoint which is really what this is it is recruiting and roster building and replacing numbers and trying to keep them at a competitive point and having and having enough depth and and proven depth, and I think that's certainly a highlight of this class. Now, Billy Napier spent about what felt like fifteen minutes talking about one guy that the Gators didn't sign, or actually they did, and he's no longer signed, uh, and that was Jaden Rashada. But certainly that's overshadowed what his I think really top to bottom been a solid first full cycle for Napier and his staff. Yeah, uh, peppered probably. Peppered probably the uh, the word to use for for what happened on Wednesday. Um, I think it has overshadowed just because it became so big. It became a national story. Uh, it was your quarterback in the class. Now you're going to have to try to get another quarterback after spring in the second portal period. Um, so it, it is overshadowing a little bit, but I do like the class. I think you like the class. They did a really good job um, in the trenches. Um, and I think at skill positions, you got so many defensive backs need another safety probably. Um, 
And then he said, uh, Billy Napier said, Andy Jean, up to 200 pounds, ran 22 and a half miles an hour. And that's not the fastest he can run. Wild. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, when you're when you're asking about freshmen that could make an instant impact, I put him in that category. Uh, I think, obviously, Eugene Wilson is the most popular pick because he's a five-star and uh, certainly a, a really talented guy that's going to fit right in there in that slot. I think Ricky Pierce all coming back, maybe his his need, Wilson that is, isn't as pressing, but I, I don't think there's any way that that guy doesn't see the field. But the majority of this class is here mid-year. Uh, I think he said 27 new scholarship players was the number that they added in January. So that's that's a lot. I mean, that is a – you know, talk about your 85. I mean, that's almost a quarter of that, uh, over that. So – Really, I, I think that was important just because of all the attrition that they had at the end of the season. You, you didn't want to lose that amount of players, 23 total to the portal uh, specifically, and then have all spring where you just don't have the depth practice. Uh, so it was critical that yeah. they got in those transfers that they did during these last however many weeks since the early or uh, first signing period. And uh, I think from that standpoint, to get double-digit transfers – to get guys from quality programs and also to get some guys that were starters. I mean, it's not like right. they just went and got a bunch of backups and guys that were looking for better opportunities. Like, no, they got some legit players that are just probably wanting to raise their level of competition and step into the SEC like uh, Osiris Torrance. So uh, Mazuka certainly falls into that category. And, you you know, obviously classes are ranked based on the high school recruits that you sign, but – you know, we have a separate ranking system at on three for the transfer portal uh, for guys in and guys out. But I think you definitely got to look at the totality of it. I think there's a lot to like just strictly about the high school signees. But I think it was critical that they got double digit transfers to offset how many uh, players that they lost. Well, I mean, the offensive line was decimated. You lose really four starters, three, if you want to you know, argue about Tarquin. Um, and I said it was going to be hard to get a running back out of the portal just because of what you were returning. Um, and I think they got a good one in, in Cam Carroll. I mean, I, I think he's your third back, but he's fast, a, a little different change of pace from what you have. Um, yeah. and, and huge because going into a season with three running backs, uh, a high ankle sprain, and now you're in a terrible spot. So getting him in late, that was huge for Florida. Um, I, I think, People are already down on Graham Mertz. Just wait and see. Uh, Billy said 24, that they evaluated 24 quarterbacks. Loved Graham. I think at this point you just have to say trust the coach who gets paid a lot of money to to evaluate. And coach quarterbacks, uh, by the way. And, like and coach just, quarterbacks. He's just the head coach. Um, I thought one way that that was interesting to look at it and I did this in my mailbag this week was how they replaced departures and key starters with portal players. And I think from that standpoint, uh, it's an interesting way to look at it. And that's not to say that, that, that one is uh, better or worse, but I think you're trying to go for something in the same ballpark and hopefully that you maybe upgrade in some spots or you gain something where you lacked with the player that left. So case in point, you lost Anthony Richardson, your first-year starting quarterback, and you replace him with a three-year starter. 
I don't think anybody would say that Graham Mertz is a better prospect than Anthony Richardson, but you get one thing from Graham that you didn't have from Anthony, and that's a three-year starter. So you're adding that experience to the room, and the guy that was right there at that quarterback spot, Jack Miller, just made his first career start. So um, I think it was critical from that standpoint, because Anthony was on his way out, that you added somebody that had that level of experience and had been a starter, a multi-year starter. You lose two running backs, upperclassmen running backs, to the transfer portal, and then you go land a graduate transfer running back. You lose, as as Nick mentioned, four offensive linemen and four starters, and you land a trio of offensive linemen that are all probably going to end up starting. Uh, And and probably would have landed – you probably would have replaced all four numbers that you lost if you'd gotten John Campbell. Uh, who right. ended up going to Tennessee over? So, and I think I would imagine that was their plan. You lose two defensive linemen, and Jervon Dexter and Jalen Lee. You sign two defensive linemen out of the portal. You lose three linebackers, including your two senior captains, and then you go out and sign three inside backers. Dewan Black being the other backer that's out. So, I think from that standpoint, when you look at it like that, when you know for so long, when you would lose seniors or you would lose starters to the NFL draft and you had that turnover, you're either counting on some backup to now step up and take on that starting role or you're kind of going with a youth movement and and you just know going into it that next year, hey, we're going to be young at this spot and need a right. freshman or some somebody to just kind of grow into it. The transfer portals change that. You can literally lose key players and, and veterans and replace them with guys that can come in and offer immediate help with college experience. And from that standpoint, I think that's that's something that Florida did successfully in this cycle. And I think that was really important on the offensive line because even though I liked the class with Kearney and, and the other offensive linemen, Najee, they're freshmen. You needed to replace the guys you lost with people who are ready to play day one. At, at that level. Yeah. Or close to so it, hopefully. That was really important. And, and we'll see. I, I love – Micah Mazuka got that right. We saw him uh, the other day. You ran into him. And, and then I I want to see Keontae Goodwin. Um, played a little bit, but a five-star. Um, massive, an absolutely massive human being. Um, and then Damian George, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I like Florida's offensive line coming back. And, and that's funny to say because you, you lost everyone. Um, but I think – Except for huge. one of the guys we're talking to today. <laughs> yeah. But I think huge, huge need filled in the portal with offensive linemen. And that's that's your bread and butter, right? We, we know how much uh, of an emphasis is placed on that from this coaching staff, and I think that was reflected not only in the transfer portal, but what they signed from the high school ranks as well. And look, right. I'm, I'm touting and, or emphasizing what the Gators got from the portal, but I think they're, at the same time, you got to get elite recruits from the high school level, and that's got to be kind of what you uh, lean on or build your roster with over time in, in your development plan. So from that standpoint, the 20 guys that they got, Rashada uh, exiting the class made it go from 10 to 11. To 11. But if you look at average player rating, the Gators have the number seven best average player rating in the country. Um, and, the, and like the – Two schools that they're behind, they're behind by like point decimal, whatever. Uh, so average player rating and, and how 
the industry and all the recruiting services rate these guys. Florida's right there in top five range. Um, I don't think they maybe had the numbers to get maybe into certainly top five range in terms of just the flat-out ranking because they only had 20 signees. But you look at the blue-chip ratio at 80%. Obviously, the in-state signees at 70%. There's a lot to like about that. Average distance is 200 miles. And again, the average player ranking, they were number seven. And I think uh, they also ranked number seven nationally in the amount of four stars that they signed. I think there were only six schools in the country that signed more four stars than the Gators did. So um, pulling, it, pulling it up to check you. Yeah, no, pull it up. Now, I think the number that they signed, there was uh, they, they were tied with a few other schools for seventh. Um, but only six other schools signed more four star prospects than the Gators. So uh, they hit needs. They got quality uh, recruits. And I think they got some guys that are going to come in and be difference makers. Uh, even though they're going to rely on a lot of those portal players, I think you're going to see some impact freshmen as well. I think a few of them. Yeah, I think there's guys that can come in and, and, and not start, but come in and play. Um, it'll be interesting to see how wide receiver shakes out. I, I still don't love that room outside of Ricky Pearsall and, and Hendo. Um, can a cornerback jump in? You know, there's a safety. You have no depth, no experience there. Uh, and actually you have a ton of depth because uh, you just signed a ton of defensive backs. But um, I think Keon Keeley's a guy that, that can come in and play. Um, who else? Who else do you have that can come in and, well, I mean, obviously, you you look at what the Gators have uh, up front. Uh, I mean, I think on the on the defensive line, Kelby uh, Collins is is definitely a guy that's going to uh, push for playing time. And we'll get into this with the portal needs, but I think that Jordan Castell at you know six two one ninety is what he's listed at. He's probably already pushing two hundred, like uh, like Andy Jean. I think he's a guy that could crack the rotation at safety just because of the need there. Um, Andy Jean is definitely going to be in the mix. Uh, he, he's, he, to me, he's one of my sleeper picks. Um, okay. I, I think that that guy, look, man, something about those receivers from South Florida. <laughs> uh, Miami specifically, too, man. I, I think that he's going to come in and um, definitely be one of the biggest freshman uh, contributors that we see from this class. And it's going to help that he's in for the spring as well. Um, so, but – we mentioned the spring. I think that there's still some spots left that they need to hit. Um, you know, I mentioned replacing guys that they lost with portal players, but there's still some spots. Billy obviously said on Wednesday that the Gators want to go out there and they will be in the market for a quarterback, quarterback. in the spring if a guy passes the evaluation. Uh, but they're going to be out looking for somebody just to get to that fourth uh, scholarship quarterback. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Uh, Billy didn't want to give uh, the scholarship numbers out, but fortunately we have Nick Del Torre to do that for you all. And I think right now that we could see the Gators maybe land or add somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three more transfers, depending on how the scholarship situation shakes out uh, after spring. If there's any guys that leave the team once practice is over from the Gators, right. uh, but Quarterback to me, and then the obvious one, and I wrote about it in my mailbag, but it's defensive back and specifically safety or somebody that can play safety nickel because 
Who are your starting safeties? Who's your starting nickel? Obviously, Kamari Wilson will probably be one of those starting safeties. And then Jadarius Perkins is the obviously the leading candidate to start at star. But af- after that, you have no returning players who have played and have experience at either of those positions except Miguel Mitchell, who appeared in all 13 games last season as a true freshman, and he could play nickel or he could play safety. But if he plays nickel, he's either maybe backing you see up. Perkins, maybe you see Perkins slide to safety and Mitchell. It, but like you said, I mean, you have – No matter what, you're not, you don't have enough depth. And you don't have you enough have competition Mitchell there. and then freshman. Yeah, That's I mean, it. I mean, and, and you definitely are going to have bodies there. Um, but how many of those freshmen are you going to be able to rely on in the rotation? But even if you keep Perkins at nickel, uh, start Miguel opposite Wilson at safety, which I think could happen. Who they they have no back, they have no proven backups of guys that have played and have collegiate snaps. The only other guy that's on the roster that's returning is Dakota Mitchell, and he hasn't played in the in the last two years. So. Everybody else that will be in that room will be brand new, will be wide-eyed, true freshmen. Fortunately, they got them here in the spring, um, but I think they will be in the market for a safety um, come that May portal window. They just have to be. Well, those guys are going to get a ton of reps this spring. Um, So right into the deep end, into the fire. Uh, But, yeah, I think that's a spot to hit. Manny Nunnery is a guy, though, that not so much safety, but he kind of played like a rover position yeah. um i don't know if he's going to be an answer at safety for creeper Florida. creeper yeah. um it, it's i i'm looking i'm like scrolling through right now scrolling through the safeties that are still in the portal and i don't know that you're going to go out to get any one of these guys so um but maybe someone was pops it, in it was it may 1st through 15th the next 14 may, days yeah may 1st through 15th um, and oh. it's going to be after spring practice, so you're going to have a bunch of guys who have gone through camp and either see the writing on the wall or want to go somewhere. I think you're going to get a flurry of activity. Yeah, and I think at this point they have a good feel for where they're at as a roster, as a team, um, where where they still need to fill some spots. But like Nick said, spring ball is going to help a lot with that. I mean, maybe – Maybe some of those freshmen really catch on and uh, make you make the staff not address a need or a depth that they feel like they they were lacking um, once that portal opens again. But regardless, you know they're going to be looking for a quarterback, and uh, that was certainly part of the discussion yesterday on signing day. But um, the law firm of Mertz and Miller is officially upon us, Nick. Add Brown. It still sounds like a law firm. Mertz, Miller, and Brown. Oh, I like that. I like that. And we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about your uh, convo with with Max Brown in the last segment. But uh, right now we're going to jump to this break, and then we're going to come back and talk to a guy that's going to be protecting all three of those quarterbacks, and that's Florida Gators offensive lineman Austin Barber. We'll be right back after this break. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues sleeping chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. 
They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Welcome back into the Gators Online Show. We're now joined by our guest of the week, Florida offensive lineman, Austin Barber. Austin, appreciate you joining us this week, man. Appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. Obviously, we got a lot of uh, ground to cover. You guys are uh, in phase one in the foundation phase right now, uh, getting it in with those workouts. Um, but let's obviously kind of start with uh, this past season. You know, obviously a big year for you. You got in the starting lineup, uh, a lot of experience. Just kind of what was your takeaways from this past year and and especially what it meant for you? Um, I feel like for me, it was just like, it was just finally what I've been dreaming for, you know, like coming in, not playing uh, my freshman year, then going in and playing damn near 700 snaps. It's a big adjustment, but I feel like it just set me up for this year coming up, you know, just a lot of experience, a lot of, I know how, how it is now in the SEC and games and stuff. So I just feel like it's just, I'm excited. How are you, how are you preparing and ready to step in like you did? Just, Sit behind guys that've been playing a while. You know, Richard Garage played four, or five years, started four years. Just watching those guys and how they how they go about it, and just I mean, I feel like I'm I'm decent at football, maybe a little bit, but uh, I think it's just trying to go in there and bust my tail day in and day out. What were some of the biggest things that you learned from the guys that uh, were ahead of you, especially your redshirt year? Just how to do it right. You know, there's this extra work after practice, uh, eating right, you know, training room. Big thing was training room. Just keep your body as healthy as possible. That's what I learned the most. We talked to you during the season, and you were talking about like a six-pack, maybe a four-pack. I'm working on an eight-pack right now. Let's go. Turn me up. Let's go. Turn me up. Ath- athletes on the line. Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, you know, you guys are going through a foundation right now. We'll kind of get into that, but uh, you made your first career start against South Florida, Austin. Take me back to that week, that game. Uh, when did you know that you were getting the nod? What was your kind of emotions like going into that, and, and how did it feel kind of trotting out there for that first series? So I, I knew I was getting it in the Kentucky game because, um, obviously, Michael got hurt. He tried to come back in. He couldn't put pressure on that ankle. I was like, oh, shit, here it goes. But um, that week of practice was just – it was kind of scary a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Just you're in there with a starting role the whole time. Just you're the guy. I mean, I just felt like – I mean, I guess I put myself in that position to be ready, and I felt felt confident. That's awesome. Did you, have a, did you have a moment where you were like, yeah, I can do this. I belong here. Yeah, it was uh, it was in the Kentucky game. We ran a, a outside zone play. Me and Sabo, and just dominated the the four eye and the linebacker. I was like, yeah, this is this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be real fun. That's awesome, man. And then obviously you guys go through the season. Uh, the offensive line was one of the best position groups that we saw from the Gators this past year. What was it like just being a part of that unit? getting to start on it, and then playing alongside the guys that you did? I think it was phenomenal, you know. It's a bunch of those guys aren't here anymore, and I feel like it's just there's a bond that won't be broken, will never be broken with those guys. And just feels good to know that 
maybe we the whole team didn't have the best season, but O line, like the main part of like the team that the part the position that keeps the team together was playing the best, and that's what felt great for me. How much pride did you take in that? And what do you feel like uh were some of the successes that you enjoyed the most, whether it was the run game that you guys got going with Montrell and uh and Trevor or, or obviously some of the uh the plays that Anthony made? Man, you know, uh, I just I take a lot of pride in this. You know, this is what I do. I mean, I, I live in the in the trenches and you know, just there's some games that we ran we ran for over two hundred yards. It's just like we know we were dominating the people in front of it in front of us. One game I'll I'll say is uh, South Carolina. We absolutely just mauled them boys up front. Was there was there a couple moments in that game where hands on hips, or you 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 saw you guys have basically just defeated them? It was it was first quarter, like when first or second quarter, they were just they weren't ready for it. You you've got a mean streak. Like you seem like a nice kid talking to us right now, but on the field you've got you've got bad intentions. I think. Yeah, I, I can turn it off and on. That's awesome, man. And obviously that's what they're looking for in this program. We know the premium that that uh, Coach Napier and this staff puts on the offensive line. For you, what's it like to play uh, on, on, on an offense like this that, uh, you know, definitely values that position and definitely tries to kind of build the scheme around it? I think it's just great for, you know, just, just us, you know, because – the end of the day, if if the O line's not liking the plays or not feeling good about it, how how are we gonna start the game off? You know what I mean? And I just I'm just I'm just happy that uh, he puts all this all of his like all of his trust into us and our decision. You know what I mean? Like on the field and stuff like that. It's just it's just phenomenal knowing a guy that just loves O line. Definitely. Yeah. And then for your position coaches, uh, obviously a, a different setup this past season with two guys. Uh, yeah. What do you feel like that did for the room? You guys already had a, a really good offensive line in 2021. I feel yeah. like it got even better this past season. I think it's just having two different, you know, voices because they say the same thing, but, like, <laughs> it comes off a little bit different. You got, like, the the yin and the yang, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just some people, you know, prefer to hear from one guy. Some people prefer to hear to one guy. I feel like that's – how it like all comes in together faster. Which one do you prefer? Who's your, who's your favorite? They're not going to listen. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't say it. They're both uh, my you know, you know, somebody will uh, tag them on on Twitter with the quickness, Nick. That's oh, true. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Some some will, some will snitch. What do you feel like uh, either one or both of those guys, have, how have they kind of helped bring the best out of you and what were maybe some things either just in your preparation or just certainly some of the ways that they've developed you that you feel like helped you take the next step this year? Just being in my ear 24-7, you know, kind of taking the – trying to be like an older veteran guy when I'm still like a redshirt freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were texting me day in and day out, getting in the film room during spring ball when they first got here. Get in the spring, get in the film room, watch film, go through all the stuff so you can be prepared. And then when fall camp hit, I kind of just it just clicked. And they they saw it click and they just kept thriving, like helping me put all my pieces together. And we're still putting them together now, but I think we did a yeah. good job last year. Now on that note, what are some things that they've kind of highlighted for you that they want you to see you work on this offseason and just kind of take your game to the next level? 
just just some footwork stuff there. You know, I have some uh, I have some issues with uh, some things in the outside zone game that I got to fix. But and then just being in the pass game, just being more, you know, being more, uh, more, more upright, don't lean and stuff like that. Just just simple stuff like that. It's not hard to fix. Sure. Yeah. You're muted, Nick. You guys have 27 new scholarship players on campus. Yeah. What has that been like? That's like a quarter, a quarter of the team. Yeah, you know, it's trying to trying to learn about names is hard. You know, just because <laughs> you see a different face, new face every day. But you know, I know I'm happy for those guys to be here and just come into the program because I know they're all the, the right guys. You know, I mean, we don't. I'm true. I feel like we probably got a group of guys that just want to work and want to win and want to be there. So that's all I want to. That's who I want to play with. Well, Billy does that. Know your teammate, right? Yep. You have to where they're from, city, state, and name. That's yeah. a little harder this spring, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's gonna be a lot harder. I need I need to study that sheet. He's gonna give us. <laughs> um, sheet. Now, one of those guys that you got to know uh, this past year was Osiris Torrance. Yep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of hit on all the guys that moved on, but specifically Cybo, like. Uh, from your perspective, what was it like playing with that guy? Why was he so elite? Uh, and just seeing him earn that brick, uh, what, what kind of what did that do for you? Maybe he made me look good in a bunch of plays we ran. Just playing play next to him, I'm, I'm telling you, he's he he's been in the offense for for four years. Just knows exactly what to do. I mean, it's just crazy how like he came here from UL and still did the same exact thing. Like I I. You know, I wouldn't expect you know, a lot of guys to do that, but he was a guy that I seen for spring ball. I was like, yeah, he can play with the best of them. And then obviously, you guys also lose uh, uh, Michael and Ethan. So you know, you and 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 Kingsley are only starters coming back. Um, yeah. Obviously, in a in, in most years, like pre transfer portal, you lose that many starters from the offensive line. You're kind of like rebuilding. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have to rely on some like younger players to step up. You guys basically just reloaded in the portal, yeah. uh, you know, bringing in all these transfers. Um, what's the feel like just in the O line room about, you know, that turnover that's happened, but also where you guys are at, and certainly with you and Kingsley leading that charge. Um, I feel like you know, I think we brought in the, the right group of guys. You know, brought in just guys that've been playing that that know that's been in like been on the field, been playing and stuff like that. So it's like. We're not trying to throw some guys out there that have never touched the field, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what that's what gives us, the, me and Kingsley, the confidence, you know, just to to know that we have guys to play next play next to that are really good. No doubt. How well have you gotten to know them? Do you, anything yeah, about I mean, them personally, their game? Just you know, I watch them work. You know, uh, Mike and me and him, me and him are pretty cool. He was the first guy that I met. Me and him uh, hang out sometimes, just. But he's he's a hard worker. We do a bunch of, bunch of football stuff after our runs and stuff, and he's a hard worker. And then, Damian, he's a good guy. He's just, we just go in there and work. I mean, all of us, all, me, him, Keontae, and Mike, we all try to put try to put some uh, try to put some work on the field. Just trying to, cause they're trying to learn the offense now. So, it's just they're just they're learning right now. And then during the portal process, like how. How involved or in, or in tune are you with what's going on? Like, do they ask you to talk to any of those guys? And are you like, yo, man, I I need you. Like, we're losing some starters. Or, or do they just – they land those guys and you get to know them after the fact? 
know the few guys that well. Yeah, I knew Micah on his. Uh, I guess he was on his official here. Yeah. I mean, and I hosted John Campbell. That's okay. the only portal guy that I hosted, but you know, it's it's kind of cool just seeing guys that have played like. John Campbell played uh, three years at Miami, and then Micah played, I guess, two years at Baylor. It's just cool to see some different different guys that are not, like, on the team already that's been playing in the, in the NCAA. No doubt. Yeah. And then you know, we're wrapping things up here with Austin Barber, Florida Gators offensive lineman. Uh, we spoke with Billy yesterday, Austin. He said it's a, it's a lot of fun to come to work right now for him and the staff just because of what's going on with the foundation phase and all the, the you know – kind of new blood in the uh, on the team, so to speak. Um, one thing I think is interesting about the makeup of the team now is, like, everybody that's here, like, wants to be here. Like, yeah. you know, last year it was a brand-new staff. You guys are getting to know them, not necessarily sure if it's the right fit. You're trying to build trust. And then, obviously, this past year a lot of guys decided to move on. Yeah. Now you're, like, starting a new chapter, and everybody that's on the team, whether they're returning or whether they just joined, like, they want to be here. They committed to yeah. these coaches. It, can you feel the difference in that, or how much of a difference do you think that can make because there's that level of buy-in? No, I feel I feel the difference just every day when our runs and our lifts, they, they go after. I mean, I don't see – there's not a lot of guys that slack off. I mean, if they do, it's because something's going on, like they're hurt or something like that, sure. but – those guys want to win. Those guys want to, you know, they came here to, they came here for this stuff and they feel like they want to win a championship and I'm excited for it because, you know, I stayed, I, I love the staff as well. And I, I want to win. Is foundation easier this year? Um, the, the lifts are harder, but the runs are more tuned for uh, the big guys. <laughs> How how was uh, going through that phase uh, in the in the new uh, Heaven or Center different, or how does that just make things more efficient for you guys? It's it's the easiest thing ever. Instead of walking the the mile, I guess I, I consider it a mile because I'm a big guy. But walking the mile from the stadium to the practice field, it's literally like park my scooter, walk in, get some food in there, go to the locker room, and the weight room gone. Two seconds. It's so it's just so efficient. We just get in and out. Awesome. I don't think I would. I don't think I would make it out of my locker. I would just like recline that zero gravity chair, and I'm out. Knocked out. That was the early morning lifts. I sat in there one time. I was like, "Do I really want to lift today?" <laughs> pretty, pretty comfortable here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How often are guys just knocked out in their lockers? You can see about half the team in there with their, <laughs> their normal tech boots on, towel on their towel on their head, so they don't see the light. Knocked out. It's the funniest thing. That's awesome, man. Um, and uh, final few things for you, Austin. A uh, new guy that uh, recently joined the team that uh, you know, uh, you know pretty well from uh, from Duval, and that's uh, Trayon Webb. What do you feel like uh, Florida fans can expect from him, and, and what's it like just to see him joining the team? I'm excited for for Webb. I mean, me and him have been playing together since. I mean, I was a junior, he was a freshman, and just. I, I got to know Webb at a, at, a, at a personal level. I mean, I feel like he's my little son. I used to drive him around before he had a car in old Jacksonville. But, you know, I'm excited for him. He's a hard worker. He wants to be here. He wants to win. I mean, you see you see the film that he's put on in high school. I mean, I feel like he'll do the same thing. He's big, fast. I mean, can run people over, can do people out. I'm just, I'm just excited for him. Talk about those, those car rides. Are you, like, picking them up for practice or – 
Helping them yeah, out? I mean, nah, taking them home sometimes, you know, going and taking them to get food from, from the school. Just, you know, being like a little Uber for them. Did you have any idea back then that this guy was going to turn into a you know top recruit and join, be a Florida caliber player? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see it every day. I mean, he came into practice, did what he had to do, just look good. I mean, and then you can see on the film, he, I mean, my freshman year or his freshman year, I guess he got injured in the game, but he had, he was taking a kickoff to the one yard line. That's when he got hurt, but dude's a beast. <laughs> How involved were you in his recruiting process? Did you uh, were you on him at all a lot, or do you feel like he was going to be a Gator? No, I we got lucky. We I think we got lucky. I mean, I don't think he. Every time I talked to him, he, he had no interest, you know, with the old staff. But new staff came in and, and ate him up, and I was there in his ear every time I went home. That's awesome. I think Nick gave him the the title of recruiter of the of the class. Yeah, um, yeah. His, he he got after it. He easily recruited half those guys in that class, too. His tweets are incredible. He might have one of the best Twitter accounts on the team. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. He knows what he's doing. Uh, well, obviously, uh, Austin, to, to wrap up, you guys uh, you know, now turn the page on 2023. Uh, you, you got your spring game uh, set. You got a state uh, date for practices to start. Um you know, where are you at just, you know, confidence-wise in this team? Um, obviously, a lot of new pieces on offense. Like, w what can fans expect uh, from you guys in 2023 and, and what you guys are coming with? I think we got a chip on our shoulder this year, you know. Like, people are always putting us down every week, you know. But we're going to be sneaky good. Um, I think we're going to be a dark horse in a, lot of, in a lot of categories. And I'm excited for this team. I'm excited for what we do. I mean, I'm ready to put the ball down in spring ball and see them boys work. Ready to get after it with them. There's a lot of like circle teams, a little like revenge tour. Oh yeah, we lost a, we lost a good bit. We lost a good bit of teams this year, so there's a lot of teams I want to beat. Uh, final thing on some of the uh, uh, new pieces, uh, Austin. What's your just been your early impressions of Graham Mertz and uh, that quarterback battle that's going to play out with him and Jack? Oh yeah, he's he's a hard worker. I mean, me and him, me and him chop it up all the time. Me and him are boys. It's just. It's pretty cool. Like he came in and you know, me and him started becoming buddies, just doing stuff outside of football. But um he he works hard, he he does everything right. And I think him and Jack are gonna battle it out and just give us a – it's gonna be a show, in my opinion. I think it's gonna be a lot harder than people think. And then you mentioned out of football, uh before we let you go. I know you're uh you know busy right now between workouts, you're taking five classes, but it is the off season. Uh yeah. When you do get some downtime, what what is Austin Barber doing with his free time? I'm either golfing or just uh, playing video games. I, I'm a big fan of golf. I'm not very good at it, but I love to swing the club a little bit. What's your best score? Uh, I shot a 90 in Tennessee. All not right. bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I'll take it. I think I think Sale will get out there on the golf course with you. Well, I, I, I know he's good. Uh, I went out there one time at the team course, and uh, one of the workers goes, yeah, he comes out here and shoots under under 80 every day. He's like, he's the best UAA golfer that they have right now. Rob Sale is? Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. Don't tell him that. He's just going to boost his head. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't even want to ask him to play. I don't even want to ask him to play. <laughs> well, he's going to ask you to play. There's no doubt about that. Um 
Uh, and listen, man, we're looking forward to you playing more for the Gators this coming year. Uh, best of luck, certainly with your spring semester, but also with the fall as well. Uh, appreciate the time, man. And uh, we'll see you once these practices get started up. No doubt. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Austin. No doubt. Welcome back into the Gators Online Show. Appreciate Austin for joining us in the last segment. Now we're going to switch gears and talk some Florida hoops as the Gators got a signature win under first-year coach Todd Golden on Wednesday night in the O-Dome. They take down number two, Tennessee, 67-54. It was a game of runs, and it was a game where Colin Castleton uh, showed why he's uh, all SEC and probably, probably will be once again uh, this season. He just dominated, took over down the stretch. And, uh, I mean, this was huge for the Gators. I mean, right. Not only you're getting a top five win, but you just think about what it meant for their tourney chances. The fact that they've had some other uh, opponents that were ranked in the top five weren't able to get the job done. They got another one coming up against Alabama, but this they'd won five of their last six and kind of found their groove in conference play. And then they step out of SEC play, go into the SEC Big 12 Challenge at Kansas State. This emotional game with Keontae Johnson, all those, all that went into it. Uh, they aren't able to get the dub and just to be able to come back and not have that shoot their confidence. They just uh, came out of the gate uh, with an incredible start. Um, 17 to four, they took the lead and um, just really impressive to see where this team has grown under golden, especially during conference play. And I think everybody's been focused and fixated on the offense and, uh, it coming together and certainly the Gators finding their shot, which they once again did Wednesday. But, man, defensively, night in and night out, ever since they started playing in conference, this team has just brought it. And uh, once again, they were superior on that end against Tennessee. And, and that's important. Like some, some nights your shot's just not going to fall. But you can control effort and you can control how you play defense. Um, I did want – you. we were talking about it a little bit earlier – how big, what did Colin Castleton say this game meant to him and, and to the team? Um, beating Tennessee specifically one year after uh, Jason Jatobo's uh, accident, incident, injury. Yeah, I asked Colin after the game where this one ranked because obviously he's been a part of some some wins. He had a little bit of time at Michigan as well, uh, was a part of some big-time matchups. But he said this is – by far the best win he's ever been a part of in his college career. And mind you, he was with the Gators last year when they beat number two Auburn in the O-Dome. And like 200 fans rushed the court. Um, so he's been a part of an upset before. But as he said to me uh, post game, this one meant a little bit more to him and his teammates and to this coaching staff because of Jason Jatobo. This was the rivalry that he got injured in almost a year ago or a little bit over a year ago uh, in Knoxville with the eye, the eye. And, you know, he spent, gosh, so much time rehabbing that, all the surgeries and procedures that he had to go through. Um, it was a really, really grueling process just to be able to see again, play basketball again, get his vision back. And um, it's just been kind of an incredible story. And it kind of culminated in this, uh, this matchup against Tennessee at kind of a year later, and obviously he got to partake in it. And uh, but th this one was for Jason. Really cool moment uh, with him and um, one of the assistant coaches after the game, just kind of embracing. And uh, 
that's why Colin said this one meant the most. And I think that that Florida now getting this win, definitely a huge boost for their tourney chances. And more importantly, it just they've now gotten over the hump. They've gotten some wins. They they found uh, some success, but now they know that they're capable of beating one of the nation's best teams. And uh, they've got some opportunities against UConn and Kansas State weren't able to get it done. Now they've done it, and uh, they're going to have some more opportunities here coming up. And you need you need to have that success because you can have the mentality of yeah, we can beat anyone any given night. But if you keep coming up short against those elite top tier teams, you don't have a proof of concept. You've got that. Uh, against Tennessee, and this is a tough stretch at Kentucky, at Bama, uh, Vandy. It, tough stretch for them. You start it with a win, with some confidence, and, and see if they can keep it rolling. Yeah, and you know this is uh, this is quite an impressive, uh, or should I say, daunting schedule that the Gators have coming up. You know, they just now with these last two games, um, they faced back to back. Uh, top two teams for the first time in 55 years. So uh, it's been quite a while since the Gators have had a stretch like this. Um, and then, you know, you think about what they have coming up with number four, Alabama. Now, in most years, Nick, uh, Kentucky would be another top five team that the Gators would have to face. Uh, you know, but I think not this year. You know, yeah, not this year. Uh, this is only Florida's six all-time victory against a top two opponent. Um, and, you know, last year was the the highest ranked victory that they had on their home floor. So they matched that. Although the 13 point win is uh, the largest margin of victory the Gators have ever had against a top two opponent. So some history was made for Golden and he gets his second win against a top five team as a head coach. When he was at San Francisco he got a 61-60 to 60 neutral site dub over number four Virginia in 2020. So uh, look at that. This is, uh, yeah, he's done it before. He does it nice again. Research. Yeah. Well, no, shout out to Denver Parlor. This is, I'm, I'm literally reading his email uh, for his SID. And uh, we mentioned the defense. Again, I think it's definitely worth noting and, and shouting out that they held Tennessee to a season low 54 points on. 29.9% from the floor. They were 19 of 68 shooting. And uh, the Gators, they've held 12 of their last 13 opponents to under 40% from the field. So like I said, I mean, they've really flipped the switch here, especially in SEC play. And um, they just got to keep it rolling now. I mean, uh, you know, they've, they've got the confidence now. I think they figured out some things offensively. Uh, you know, we know the difference that Myron Jones and Kyle Lofton and kind of their – um, you know, their, their veteran leadership being fifth year guards. And now you got Alex Fudge. He's working his way back from injury to Riley Kugel has really stepped up in the last couple of games with him uh, being out. So things are clicking right now for Todd Golden squad. Uh, they got that golden ball working. Well, they, so They won six of the last seven conference games, six of the last seven. So that's, uh, that's what you need. You know, now they've, uh, They've improved their record to uh, thirteen and nine, six and three in SEC play, and they've got the stretch coming up that we mentioned against Kentucky and uh, Alabama. And then after that, they're really going to have a chance to, I think, get to nineteen, twenty wins. That's probably where they're going to be to to safely get it in uh, for for March Madness. So we'll see where they go from here, Nick. But uh, this was. 
you know, this is definitely the biggest win of the golden era and um, definitely bodes well for the future. And, and he was enjoying it. Uh, yeah. Still time left on the clock, turns around, getting the crowd pumped. Um, felt good for him to watch him get that, get that win. Some of the videos they put out, they were going nuts uh, uh, back there in the locker room. Um, you just got to keep that momentum, though. Like, don't lay an egg against a down Kentucky team. Um, but it seems like, like you said, it seems like they've, they've found some things, especially offensively, uh, and continue to be suffocating on defense. Now, we, I, I want you to go check this out from our from our friend Jacob Brudner, Nick. Uh, this video of – if you go to Twitter and, and uh, check out this, uh, this clip, Golden just absolutely gets tossed across the locker room during this uh, post-game celebration. I don't know if you I don't know if if you would call that a block or a charge, Nick. Yeah, it's a flagrant too. <laughs> I don't even know who knocked him down. I mean, uh I'm trying to figure that out. He got ragdolled. He's just just, just ragdolled. Uh I mean, it, it's a party in there. There's no doubt about that. Um I think flagrant I think too. I think what you would call that would uh would be the rocky flop, right? No, that looks like assault. I think that's what it looked like. <laughs> uh, you might have thought LeBron James got assaulted with that foul that he uh, took the other night. Did you see that don't, reaction from, from the talk king? About, don't talk about my goat like that. I mean, and then Patrick Beverly with the all-time camera in the face of the referee. <laughs> you see this photo? That was that was epic. Um, so. Congrats to Golden and the Gators for uh, definitely a big win and uh, certainly going to help their chances uh, come March. So, um, and obviously, once March gets around, Nick, you will be in full baseball swing, my friend. Full baseball. Um, Max Brown playing baseball. He will not be in full baseball swing. Not be in full baseball. Um, I think it's pretty clear that, especially with the Gators quarterback room that we talked about in those numbers, that, uh, Max is here on a football scholarship, and uh, when spring starts, he's not going to miss a practice, and and we'll see how much he's playing uh, with the baseball team. Um, but they're in it; they're they're full in scrimmage, getting ready for the season, and uh, they look good. They look really good. I'm, I'm still not overhyping the baseball team. We're still keeping that going, um, but I'm excited. In February, excited. We're 15 days away, um, but I know that like, in, but I know that like in late March. I'll be exhausted. 15 days, Nick? Two weeks where, from tomorrow. Where did your offseason go? It, it, we don't talk about Jaden Rashad anymore, but that's where it went. <laughs> it went to Arizona State. Yeah. Congrats to him. Yeah. Uh, he ends up at his, at his father's alma mater. You know, you said uh, last week and in your piece, there were no winners in the Jaden Rashada. His dad, Arizona State won. That's true. New coach, uh, they get a quarterback. Um, yeah, I think I'm just done talking about it. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit more baseball before we get you out of here. What have yeah. been your early impressions of this team without hyping them up uh, from what you've seen uh, since the start of camp? Um, I think they're just really, really deep. I haven't even seen um, all the pitchers yet from the scrimmages I've been out to. Um, they they can hit. Um I think Wyatt Langford looks just like he did last year. Uh, at possible Golden Spikes, which is the best player in the country. Um, he'll be on like that preseason watch list. 
Um, the pitchers, only thing uh, I've seen is a, a little uh, not not accurate. Um, Hurston Waldrop had – Brandon Sproat hit three guys the last scrimmage I was at. Hurston Waldrop's had some uh, control issues, but it's still a little bit early. Um, guys are still rounding into form. Um, I'm interested to see who closes. Cleet Hartzog, that's a name, um, is kind of leading that right now. He had a, a meltdown inning last last weekend. Um, I like Jack Caglione to do that. He throws 97 miles an hour, six foot four left-handed. Um, and then if you close him, then you can also use him pitching and hitting in the same game. So I think that's something interesting. Um, and uh, Mikey Robertson, I was trying to explain to people how fast he is. And I used Buddy Reed, who was a great center fielder. And uh, I think he was three tenths of a, three tenths of a second faster than Buddy Reed in the 60. Um, so <laughs> That's going to be your center fielder, your leadoff guy. Um, yeah, Florida's really good. I'm excited for the season. And um, don't book your tickets to Omaha. We're not saying that yet, Zach. But but they should be good, and it should be fun. That's awesome. Well, uh, what else should be fun is uh, what, what we got coming up this weekend and certainly uh, in the weeks to come. You've got the uh, Super Bowl now right around the corner. The Gators will be represented for the 21st year in a row. And – for the twelfth time, I think it will be in the last fourteen seasons, a Gator will win a ring. So um, the tradition continues. Who, Nick, I was going to say who you got, but we got a, another show before that. Yeah, we do have another show. So I won't make a pick yet, um, but we'll see. Uh, there's going to be multiple Gators that win. Uh, how about shout out to uh, Michael P. Ryan who got signed to Kansas City's. Uh, practice squad the day before they they won the championship <laughs> and I think, now I think uh, you get the same ring yes you get the same ring and uh he tweeted things always work in your favor when you least expect it stay positive and always believe in yourself that's why and, Le- and LeMichael P. Ryan did they told him he was not fast enough at Auburn and he showed them didn't he Nick in in a big bold way <laughs> Yes. Uh, also, what was big and bold is uh, the shoot that DJ Lagway received on his unofficial visit this past weekend for Junior Day. And uh, something that the University of Florida now has to tout that no other program in the country has, Nick. Yeah, I'm pulling that story up now. And I, and I, was, and I was unsure of how to pronounce it. I, I didn't know if it was a fancy... You know, with that uh, symbol on there, but it's uh, just view, and it's a nice just view. view. Um, Twenty feet by thirteen feet, uh, only school in the country, t- to my knowledge, that has it. Um, just something really cool that not only changes the recruiting game, but they just released something where um, I think softball, lacrosse, and baseball were using it. Um, it's just something that stands out, and you're not getting the ripped white paper in the locker room anymore. Um, it's just a really, really unique thing, and is it necessary? No, but it's something you can say, Hey, this is really cool. When, when the photos dropped, when Lagway dropped those photos, the timeline stopped. Um, so it's (laughs) something that's really cool. Um, and I I think we need to get in it. I think it's in the indoor practice facility. I I think we need to get you. uh, Oh, I've already put in a request. Request denied. It it, it might might be, it might be, (laughs) it might be. Uh, Um, but, uh, definitely, Kudos to UF for – and look, that's this is not just a football 
and a football recruiting tool. All the sports are getting to use this technology and, and do some really cool creative media with it. But it is a another thing now that you have to offer during those right. uh, shoots on the recruiting visits. And uh, not everybody or actually nobody else can offer that. Yeah. So um, really cool. And a um, couple other news items that we want to uh, wrap the show up with. It's a few days old now, but the Gators uh, have hired former Auburn uh, OC Eric. You want to give a stab at that last name, Nick? Uh, all you. I saw. Uh, we'll go with that, Eric. Um, Coach but, E. Uh, he he's already. What, what was that? I said Coach E. Coach E. E K. Um, And he's already on campus. Uh, He hasn't been officially announced yet, but he he has joined the staff in an analyst role and uh, was former offensive coordinator at Auburn and Boise State. Obviously worked with Brian Harson, but he's been the offensive coordinator at several other stops as well. Fresno State, Washington, Colorado. He was the interim coach uh, at Fresno State as well and also called plays uh, at Kansas. Uh, for in an, on an interim basis, so a guy that's called a lot of ball plays, and he's uh, another eye on your product, and you know, kind of brings definitely some different offensive philosophies and uh, you know, just some more brain power to that room. Someone to bounce ideas off of, a, a fresh perspective uh, on the offense as well. Yep, and you know, if they ever need some other uh, offensive ideas, Nick, they can go right down the hall. And ask the head ball coach. And um, definitely want to give a shout out to Steve Spurrier as uh, our, our, our old spot where we used to uh, record uh, this very show. Uh, there will be a street named after him in Celebration Point as uh, Steve Spurrier Way is coming to Gainesville. Uh, officially going to be unve- unveiled on February 10th uh, in front of Spurrier's Gridiron Grill in Celebration Point. So, um, Go check out that story on Gators Online to get the details on that. But uh, fans are invited to to come out. And uh, a long time coming, Nick. That was happening yeah. for that to happen in Gainesville. Yeah, I was trying to brainstorm other other names that it could have been. Someone said uh, Citrus Bowl Lane. Um, I was trying to think of some some other names other than Steve free, Spurrier. He's got his na- free, name on all free the things. Shoes, uh, free Shoes University Ave. Something Ooh. like that. But uh, shout out to the HBC and shout out to the former Gators that will be competing this weekend and uh, actually on Thursday night as well as uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Reese Senior Bowl will both be taking place. You've got some Gators uh, participating in both of those games, Justin Shorter and Trey Dean in the East-West Shrine Bowl and then uh, Osiris Torrance and uh, Richard Garage playing in the Senior Bowl. Actually, a few guys playing in the Senior Bowl. So that will the Senior Bowl will be on Saturday at two thirty. So um, make sure you guys check that out. And uh, props to uh, Sale and Stapleton as well. They went out there and supported their guys uh, competing out there at the the Reese Senior Bowl. So and, and Torrance is having the week that you probably expected him to have. I think <laughs> yes, he is solidifying himself as OG OG one, the best guard in the draft. He is. He is. And uh, we talked to his teammate today. Appreciate Austin Barber for joining us. And um, a lot that we touched on signing day is is in the books now. The Gators have gotten a huge marquee win, and now uh, they move forward. And Knicks get, gets closer to the start of baseball season. 
We'll be back next week to recap it all with you guys as things progress closer. And certainly uh, we'll give our Super Bowl pick as well. So uh, for Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde.